Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell. And I'm Allison Green. And today we are anxious about Zoom. Before we get started, when I said my name, did you hear my cat yowl? I did. Do you want to record it again? No, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Allison Green, and I'm Kotu, the Istanbulite street cat, and today we're all anxious about not getting enough catnip. (laughs) Exactly. I know I always am. I thought that was hilarious, actually. It was only funny because it was literally just after I had said my name and like, I wonder if he was like, that's my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we love Kotu. Yeah. These are the little things we focus on in the pandemic. These are the things that get us through thinking that uh, he is not just preoccupied with food, (laughs) but actually just heard my name and was like, dad, (laughs) I think you and I both know it's for food. (laughs) It's for food and maybe just general annoyance purposes. I think so. Yeah. So here we are. Anyways, let us just briefly intro our topic for today. So we are talking about the very timely topic of Zoom, being anxious about Zoom. You know, this episode could be pretty direct, straightforward and confined and might not be all that long, but uh, it seems like every time we say that we end up with pretty much the same (laughs) length. So is it even worth saying that anymore? (laughs) I don't think so. I think we could You know, if we weren't trying to stop ourselves, we probably could make most episodes run like two hours. That's true. And maybe if there are like five topics that we could talk about for like three, two, forever, I think I could fill up however much time being anxious about death and bananas in that order. (laughs) I think death's a (laughs) ten-parter. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We'll we'll get there eventually. For longtime listeners, we'll know that. There are a few episodes that we're both a little bit scared to do just to see what that brings up. Sleep, for me, I'm just worried the moment we record that, I'm going to be obsessed with it. But the other side of that coin is that several times we've talked about things that I was nervous about that I actually end up feeling a lot better afterwards. And one would hope listeners feel the same. (laughs) Otherwise, our podcast is entirely meaningless. Yeah, not working as intended. Hmm. (laughs) Please reevaluate all life decisions. (laughs) (laughs) So I think maybe before we get into all the Zoom stuff, and this will be also a fun episode. If someone listens to this 100 years from now, they'll be like, what the hell, Zoom? Or they'll be like, oh, Zoom, the company that took over the world. Either way, it's going to be an interesting affair, but uh, I'm getting ahead of myself and I don't even have coffee as an excuse today. You know, I don't know what my excuse is, but let me backpedal a second and just ask you on a scale of one to introducing yourself on a 50 person Zoom call, where are you at? That's a horrible feeling. So I'd say that up until about 10 minutes ago, I was a three, but then as soon as you and I like hopped on to record, I had an incident with a spider that was the largest spider I've ever seen in a non-tropical environment, just crawling (laughs) across my wall right in front of my face. 
and going behind my picture frames and then coming back out from behind them. And it was like, I normally don't kill spiders, but it was kind of like, I'm sorry, you're too big to be alive in my vicinity and I can't really move right now. So like, this is gonna have to happen. I'm sorry, spider. And it didn't happen. I dropped the spider to the floor, missed by a good deal. And now it's presumably plotting its revenge and I'm scratching every surface of my body and looking at random bumps and being convinced that I got bitten by a spider from a tropical country like 400 miles away that's now like coursing poison through my body because I've watched too much Naked and Afraid during the pandemic. So, you know. Well, that's good. That seems like a really comfortable place to be and <laughs> I'm sure... I'm not alone and having sweaty palms now as well. So that is great. Yeah. You know, I'm not really even afraid of spiders, but that one just, you know, it's almost like that uncanny valley situation where it's like too big to be like, you're okay with it. You know, like that's not the proper use of uncanny valley. It was just too big. I was scared of it. Um, But it was just, it was larger than I expected to find in a Eastern European apartment block. So. So what did you say your number was for two? Uh, a five. A spider-inflicted five. Yeah. An honest three. But currently, I had to sweep the room twice before we could record, and I had to put on boots because I'm afraid it's plotting its revenge and planning to, like, eat my legs. So I think you're handing it out you know, just perfectly normal things. Yeah. <laughs> These are the moments where, where we appreciate having the check-in every episode because it yeah. just... It ensures that there's room for this kind of thing. We're for spider-inflicted fives. Yeah. And these are the moments where we're happy that we record over Zencaster and not Zoom. That's which right. Which is faceless. I mean, we're going to eventually try to do some video recordings, trying to, you know, put some of our stuff on YouTube. And I also hope that it'll kind of like shame me into like putting on makeup for the first time in a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> So that could be interesting, might be good for my hygiene and for everyone in this household's sake, who's like, Jesus Christ, Allison, please freshen up. (laughs) (laughs) Even the spider's like, damn it, Allison, let's go. Yeah, like, I'm not even going to bite you. You reek. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I'm a spider doesn't mean I have no taste, all right? (laughs) Jeez. Yeah, I think that's a bridge we're going to cross, and I think that'll actually be quite a bit of fun when we get that going. But like everything, when you have two co-hosts with all kinds of issues going on, you can ponder over things for a long time, but actually shifting into first gear can take a bit of effort. So we're (laughs) working on getting into first gear. We haven't missed a week uh, yet. We've done pretty well so far with this whole podcast thing. So we're working on the next steps there. Yeah. Yeah. Which will be getting us in front of a camera. So yikes. Anyway, Chris, before I get you all anxious about that. How are you doing today on a scale of one to introducing yourself in front of a Zoom call of 50 plus people? So that's not necessarily my idea of fun, the introduction in front of 50 people on Zoom. Not my worst nightmare either. Um, If it's the right audience, there is some small potential that my heart rate could go in a little bit quickly and I could get a little bit excited even. I know that is precisely where we differ. And using that scale, though, still in the spirit of it, I think I'm probably about a two today. I feel pretty good. The only thing was just this morning, I kind of woke up and just got right into it, like accidentally kind of just started working for a bunch of hours straight and then 
you know, I basically had to, to hit the brakes a little bit early this afternoon or just kind of give myself a small break before we recorded because I was going to do that thing that I'm good at where I just pretend I'm taking breaks, but secretly just sort of like pick up my phone and do other things that are not giving my brain sort of the mental reprieve that I need. So I'm two because I actually took the time to take a deep breath and gather Mm -hmm. myself before this. But I think if I hadn't have done that, I would be rolling in with a pretty heavy four. So I'm grateful I did that. Um, That's probably not what I'm going to pat myself on the back for because that would be a little repetitive. But uh, nonetheless, I'm coming in with a two and not with the coffee as per last episode. However, I may give that a whirl again because uh, I had a ball. My laughter, having listened to that, although it's not released to everybody else yet, having listened to that, I was pretty on point and my laughter just had that crazy edge to it that I'm just not (laughs) sure I can replicate with tea. The coffee giggles. That's right. Oh, no, I had the coffee wiggles when I was recording. Yes, you had the wiggles, not the giggles. I think I had the giggles and you had the wiggles. Yeah, yeah. That is how we differ, I suppose. Although I don't usually get coffee wiggles. I was just getting it because like, I had started on coffee after a while of not drinking it for some reason, which I don't know why the hell I did that to myself. But anyway, let's dive right into our issues with Zoom. <laughs> so how has your relationship to Zoom kind of changed over the course of the pandemic? Because I know for me, at first, I was like, you know, the March, April of 2020 months, I was kind of excited by all the like Zoom opportunities and happy hours and whatnot. And then quickly, I just cratered and I do not want to do any of this. I do not want to video call with more than one human being at a time. Yeah. And that's kind of been how I've progressed over the course of the pandemic. Has it been similar for you? Yeah. So same for me at the beginning, I was sort of excited. Everything was a little bit novel, you know, you were kind of like, oh, this is kind of something different. And then as we settled into it, I just started to realize it's just not, I guess it's just not necessarily how I like to interact with people. I don't like to be like seated in one place and it just doesn't necessarily suit me that well. I should say, however, that I don't get anxiety when I think about using Zoom to catch up with family or friends or what have you those intimate settings that you kind of alluded to, which I think are actually Mm -hmm. really great. I think it's nice to see people and and catch up that way. It's really the big Zoom meetings for associations that I'm a part of or this, that, and the other where I know exactly what it's going to be or someone's presenting something and I just know there's going to be 50 to 100 people in a room. I mean, even I was at a virtual conference last week and there were different like breakout rooms and I entered a room with like four people in that case, that was an intimate room, but that wasn't necessarily to my advantage because they weren't big talkers. And the big thing that I'm anxious about Zoom is like, how do you leave without being an asshole? Yeah. You know, like in that situation, I arrive and it's like, hi, I'm Chris. And like they kind of respond loosely. And then it's just like, um, I don't know how to escape. In that instance, actually, I don't know whether it was fate or like the lucky stars crossed above me, if that's a phrase even, but that Zoom crashed. <laughs> and perfect. I was kicked out of the room and your anxiety brought down the internet. That's what I took from it personally. I mean, everyone else can take what they wanted from it, but it was one of those moments where I was just like, yes. But yeah, I guess the moral of the story there is it's it's hugely situationally dependent. But we can talk a little bit later about tips and things. I've made some adjustments as far as how I 
deal with Zoom in ways that actually kind of benefit me a little bit. But I think that's that's for a little bit later. So that, those are my initial feelings. Really, it's so situationally dependent, and I'm pretty comfortable with it for personal use, but professional use is something I just really not that game with as of right now. Yeah. I don't do too many large rooms in Zoom, but I was in one recently and I kind of immediately realized that like I wasn't really going to get the results I wanted out of it. Like, and it was like a completely optional thing to attend, but I felt so awkward about leaving because it was yeah. like maybe 12 to 20 people. So it was like a noticeable departure. Exactly. My little Brady Bunch window would have disappeared. And <laughs> if I didn't come up with an excuse for like leaving, then people would notice that I just Irish exited. And then so I started, you know, fiddling on my phone while people were talking. And then I was like, well, now I just look like an asshole who's just ignoring everyone and looking at my phone. And then I got really distracted by like, if I could sort of be on my phone, but also like look like I wasn't on my phone Mm -hmm. in the thing. So I was like looking like down at my phone, up at the little window box where my face was like a crazy person, just like up and down, eyes up (laughs) and down. I must look like an absolute maniac and I haven't gone to another one of these meetings again because I'm just like, oh, they all think that I'm that fucking crazy person whose eyes are rolling around like a possessed animal. So this reminds me of just how in our own heads we can be. So there was that famous sociological study and I'm just kind of adding this off the cuff. I can't remember the precise details, but I just wanted to share the the gist of it because I think it's highly applicable. But they basically did this test where they gave somebody a t-shirt and they went into a room with 10 other people and they would afterwards try to predict how many people in the room would remember what they had on their Mm t-shirt. And the person who wore the t-shirt would almost always say something like, well, I think probably 80 to 90% of people would be able to uh, recollect uh, what was on my t-shirt. And the reality was something like, 10% or 15%. So it was just showing that gap. So I think it probably is the same for Zoom. Like you think you are, you know, googly eyes, the cookie monster, (laughs) but probably most other people are just trying to play their own nod and smile game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, like I was conscious of that. And like, I was watching like other people who were like partially engaged as well, but still I couldn't stop making it mean bad things about me and making it be all about my mental narrative about how awkward I am Hmm. because that's like one of my favorite stories to tell myself that I'm just like the most awkward human being on the planet and every single person I interact with is completely baffled by how to deal with me (laughs) which (laughs) I don't think is actually true but my brain finds it a compelling narrative and loves to dabble so I get really tired with these big zoom calls but I think that's more of just me having kind of an issue with group social situations, period. I don't necessarily know if that's like specific to Zoom because I'm usually pretty fine on like a one-on-one Zoom call. Like I don't love it always because sometimes I feel like it's unnecessary. (laughs) Like once I had to do a Zoom call with a partner that I work with for my business and it was like, 
having to watch a presentation that was basically just like getting read a PowerPoint slide, but over the course of 1.5 hours, which was like the most excruciating thing possible. Like you just have to sit there and nod, but it's like a one-on-one thing. And it's just like, you could have literally just sent this over as a PowerPoint and then we could have chatted about it after. And I think that is one of the other things about Zoom that people get annoyed with is the sort of disrespect of boundaries that Zoom kind of engenders is where, you know, everyone's like, oh, like it's a pandemic, like we have so much time. And it's like, we don't magically now have 40 hours in the day. We still only have like 24, eight of which are spent sleeping, two of which are spent eating or like preparing yourself to eat, preparing food for yourself, two of which are spent, you know, just like taking care of basic life necessities and you know, you have very the short window of active for your own pursuits that aren't just like your literal survival brain yeah. time, you know? And so I think what I find kind of insidious about Zoom is sort of this presupposition that we all have this plethora of time to spend on things that are both kind of frivolous, but also very time consuming and mentally kind of absorbing and and draining yeah absorbing and draining are exact opposite words so i don't know why i thought that they were fine to use in succession let's go with mentally draining i didn't even notice it for what it's worth so i I mean i was with you the whole way i think it somehow works so we're just going to keep going with it (laughs) i was actually also a little bit zoned out because i wanted to remember the thing that i was going to (laughs) say now which i really hope i remember but just actually t- to that point, I was listening to a podcast called The Knowledge Project with Shane Parrish, which I find pretty interesting. And he was speaking to a guy named Matt Mullenweg, who was talking about the ideas of like collaboration in the digital age and things like that. And if you don't know Matt Mullenweg's name, he is the creator of WordPress. So oh, okay. we both blog, so you'll know what that is. If yeah. uh, other listeners don't, that's totally fine. But basically, he put it, he has a huge hand in how. <laughs> blogging has come to to be so large and important in society. And anyways, he was talking about the fact that there are some companies which have used Zoom as a crutch to replace meetings, which were pretty useless in the first place. And there are some businesses which have used this opportunity to sort of get rid of the whole meeting culture and focus instead not on recapping what could be communicated virtually, but on pushing things forward, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting because I think a big part of the anxiety that I have around Zoom, and I know that you do as well, just from knowing you, is the idea of time being wasted and like it not being a good use of time. And I've talked before many times in this podcast about how I am like insanely protective of my time. So as far as like, I know that my brain only works well through certain hours, So like, I will not schedule a Zoom meeting with you if I can avoid it between 10 and 2 p.m. I'll schedule my Zoom meetings at 3 p.m. if I can, because that's a time when I don't feel like I'd be doing my best creative thinking anyways. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage people to think about, it's not necessarily just the form of Zoom. It's like, think about the time that you're taking it and all of this stuff. And then also think about how the relationship you feel to the meeting itself. Is it because it feels useless? Is it because it's not pushing anything forward? I just think those are all questions that we can ask ourselves to figure out why we feel a certain way about some Zoom meetings and not others, if that connects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I definitely feel 
a lot more beleaguered by having to do Zoom calls if I don't see the point, you know? A lot of the time, it's like, I'm also really bad at saying no. So it's like whenever, you know, company I work with or whatever, like a client tries to get on Zoom, I'm always like, "Mm -hmm." but like, is there really a lot that we're going to discuss that's not emailable? And usually the answer is no, but I'm just really bad at sort of setting boundaries. But what I have set a boundary on that's been helpful is like, I don't do video calls for like introductory stuff. Mm -hmm. As a small business owner, I get pitched a ton by other small businesses. And while I don't want to be, you know, flippant to, you know, like a small business trying to hustle at the same time, if I don't see the benefit to myself, I just don't really have the time to entertain all these video calls, you know, like, I made that mistake once and that was it. (laughs) One time I was like, oh, wait, you're not actually even presenting me with an opportunity. You're trying to get me to be a customer. What the fuck? No. And I realized that a lot of introductory video calls and that sort of thing can be really a time suck. And I'm just like, you know, I just put a pretty hard line in the sand that was like, no, we correspond via email. You know, I don't do introductory or exploratory talks over Zoom, but we can chat via email while you explain your proposal. I don't want you to see my face when you pitch me. Yeah. Because (laughs) after you shared your idea, uh, my face looked like I had eaten 14 lemons at once. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Something I have to mention in this episode is I really, really underestimated how much energy Zoom would zap from me. because. When I think of myself as somebody like, I kind of get energy from going to events and meeting people and talking around. And I put that in the same category as Zoom for some reason, but that just wasn't correct. Yeah. And I find that it's draining to the point where like I was doing a lot of Zoom at the beginning of the the pandemic and I felt like I could feel kind of like a shitty air mattress. I could feel my eyes, like the bags under my eyes slowly getting bigger, you know, like kind of being inflated. The metaphor worked in my head. Uh, we'll see if that holds up. Yeah, I guess that was that was a bizarre one. I'm okay. going for maybe. Why don't we use balloon? Yeah, it had like kind of a Dolly surrealist vibe though, which was kind of cool. Like a okay, right, well, I, I appreciate the Dolly surrealist vibe, but I guess to be more apt, I felt like the bags under my eyes were getting larger as I was talking, and so. I had to basically make sure that it wasn't going to happen all the time, and so I started to switch some of the meetings that I had recurring to audio as opposed to video. And then as the pandemic wore on and I was feeling more trapped indoors, like I would, some of the Zoom calls that at first were draining and what have you uh, that were on video, I would actually just start taking them on audio on Facebook or on just a phone call. Incredibly, phones still work. So, (laughs) and then I would walk around the track. (laughs) It's proven. (laughs) For the most part, but I would walk around the track near my place. And so, if you look at the difference between being stuck indoors in my office on a Zoom call at 3 p.m. or outdoors walking around a track on audio, the difference was 
huge because of what we talked about earlier, that I wasn't reliant on the content to make me feel like it was worth it. I knew that no matter how the call went or no matter what was going on, I still was getting sunshine and walking. So it's like, it's almost like I checked enough boxes. So that's something I'm always cognizant of as well is like just taking enough control of the situation that it doesn't even matter how it unfolds because I'll be able to classify it as, you know, quote unquote successful or quote unquote worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me, what I struggle with is kind of where to pay attention to. Like there's a lot of competing stimuli during a Zoom call. And just like my eyes almost get tired from scanning everyone's faces because I think that's just what the human... Would you say it was like a, a mat, whatever metaphor I used of inflating mattress or whatever? Was that is that what you were thinking? No, also? not quite inflating mattress vibes, but like... <laughs> Kind of just, you know, that same thing with eyes like rolling all over the place. Like, I feel like I'm just constantly scanning everyone's face, like trying to be like, how do they feel? How do they feel? How do they feel? You know, I feel on a Zoom call like I'm paying way too much attention to like every single person in a way that's like strangely kind of voyeuristic and (laughs) and then I I guess that makes me assume that people are doing the same about me like I'm always like well look at that person look at their background and then I'm like oh my god are people doing this to me and then I get like oh geez I should have brushed my hair before getting on this call but I get really just overwhelmed by all the different faces and people kind of like trying to sort of get a word in and the sort of attempt to jump into a conversation, which always intimidates me. I just find it really draining. And there's a psychological concept called continuous partial attention that I was reading about in an article about Zoom fatigue. And basically, this constant sort of short circuiting of your attention can make you feel completely drained while also feeling like you've accomplished nothing. And that's how I feel after every large Zoom call. It's like, wow, that was incredibly mentally taxing and nothing changed. (laughs) Yeah. What's the term called? Uh, Continuous partial attention. Basically multitasking for a prolonged period of time. Yeah. And I think that's another issue too, is that at first it was like a fully engaging experience and now people have like a second monitor where they're looking at something else or, you know, I've seen that, you know, transpire more as we get deeper into Zoom. There's more kind of just definitely partial attention is, uh, is present. Oh yeah. That is very true. And that actually reminds me of something that I was looking at before we recorded as well, which was the, why is, uh, Zoom fatigue present? Like, what is it about Zoom that makes you fatigued? And there was a few different things that were brought up that I thought were kind of interesting. One was that, delays on a system, like even if it's just a second or two, apparently make people perceive the responder as less friendly. Mm -hmm. So even though it's not the fault of the person, apparently, you know, they've done a couple of studies that suggest that this little delay, even though you resent the platform, you kind of tie it or tether that to the person who's speaking, which is kind of interesting. And then the other one, which I think is something I did not consider at all was they were mentioning this article that there's something about the fact that Zoom is the same platform no matter who you're speaking with that that's a little bit exhausting so they give the analogy of like it's kind of going to the same bar with your professors your parents <laughs> your business friends 
your like every single person you're going to the same damn bar and after (laughs) the 20th time you go to the bar you're like i really need to go somewhere else but there's nowhere else to go that is an angle that i just had not considered at all yeah but it holds up a little bit it does yeah it's funny i actually never use zoom with friends we always do like messenger video on our phones like via facebook the facebook app And for some reason, I find that to be just different enough that my brain doesn't categorize it as, you know, just another annoying Zoom call. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it's like one of those things where your brain likes to categorize things and it remembers things kind of via different mediums. You know, so if you're using your computer for one thing, it's very different medium when you're using your phone. And so my brain just processes them as completely different experiences, even if it's fundamentally both video calls. But I associate one with work and sitting down and like having to pay attention and wanting to multitask, whereas I associate handheld phone video calls with just one or maybe two friends as being like, oh, this is fun. We're catching up like I'm engaged. And I think it's because when you hold your phone, you can't really like if you put it down, like they'll know, you know what I mean? Like. And you can't really pull up another thing like, okay, Mm -hmm. sure, you could do something on your laptop like one handed. But I think just like the act of holding a phone to communicate with someone is very different than when you're sitting in a chair with your laptop open. Maybe you have your phone to your side. Maybe you have the second monitor, you fancy pants, (laughs) you know, like I just think they're very for being extremely similar situations. They actually have some important differences that I think that's why this is called Zoom and not video calls. And the thing that I just want to highlight from that is that minor differences matter a lot right now. Yeah. So they're worth cherishing any and all differences. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) I was listening to uh, a podcast, shockingly, I know. And they were just talking about like one of the big problems with burnout is just the, the repetition. So any way we can change anything, even if you know, we're sort of human beings sort of predisposed to routinization. So it's easy to end up doing the same things, watching the same things the same way. So it can be helpful, even if you walk every day, like try and walk at different times, walk one day after dinner for no reason other than the fact that it's different. Yeah, I will never walk on a different path than my preferred path, though. I like to follow the same path because I'm just anxious like that. And I like to do the same walk. (laughs) (laughs) So fair enough. And I have some same walks that I do. It just depends how much I want to zone out. Like sometimes I want to go walk around a neighborhood and sometimes I just need to go for a walk to clear my head. And so walking the same route is helpful. But I just know that I can get into that rhythm where I'm just doing the same things the same time just because it feels like I should. And and part of the way that we can combat burnout and fatigue and things like that is just throwing little curveballs wherever and however we can, you know, ordering dinner from a different spot one night or going somewhere that you haven't been before, just anything like that can be hugely helpful when we're looking at burnout. So I don't know if there's there's not really necessarily a way you can do that with uh, with Zoom, but like maybe try, yeah, try and use that different platform or the phone or just change things up as much as possible. I even know like if I'm trying to learn something, if it's just like 10 chapters of text that I'm reading on a course, that might be less effective than like two that are videos and five that are text and two that are audio. Like our minds crave difference. Yeah. If that hasn't become clear in the pandemic, I don't know if anything has become 
more clear than that to me. That is uh, for sure. I know. It's like during the pandemic, our experiences just all feel like very mundane, right? There's like not a lot of seasoning on our days. And so it's like when you finally get like a red pepper flake of a day, you're like, oh, wow. You know, (laughs) like, you know, the past couple of times that it snowed, I've been exceedingly giddy just because it's a different thing to look at outside of my window, sequestered from the world. You know, it's just like these little pockets of difference that kind of break up the mundanity, I think are worth kind of celebrating and amping them up, even if they feel ridiculous, you know? Yeah, we're living that rice and chicken life right now. Oh, God, it's so sad. And uh, even though I like rice and chicken, but not three times a meal, every meal for a year, we got to covet those red pepper flakes. As got to uh, covet as, the red pepper flakes. <laughs> we got to make sure we covet those. It is interesting as well. I mean, this is a bit of a side tangent, but you and I have to keep our eye on new platforms and things like emerging platforms. And one of those platforms is a platform called Clubhouse, which is essentially giant Zoom rooms and or live podcasts on different topics. And it's really interesting because one thing that they've clearly noticed about Zoom, they've separated it so that there's speakers up at the top. You raise your hand to go and speak. And then everybody else is kind of below and it takes some of the social pressure away from speaking. And there's also no video. And when I'm on that platform, and I don't know enough about it really to recommend it or not yet, but all I can say from a sociological standpoint, the fact that there's no video and the speakers are up at the top and they've raised their hand to get up there makes a massive difference to the way that I feel in the audience. Because Mm -hmm. I don't feel like in the audience, I'm a quiet one who is muted by mic, I just literally can't speak. There's an order to things. And with the fact that there's no video, I can walk around and pace around my office and listen to things and not look like, you know, the person on video is pacing around his office. So I guess what I'm getting at is a lot of this stuff with particularly a large Zoom room is to do with socialization, like the way we've been socialized to feel like if we're in a big group, we should be speaking. But if you're in a big group, in that case, you can't speak. So there's this, you're kind of at a at odds there, but I don't feel that at all in Clubhouse. So it's just kind of fascinating audio. And I guess, I don't know, how will that bode for us introducing video and putting our stuff on YouTube? I don't know. Maybe we'll do it one time and be like, this is the worst thing ever and just stick with audio. But it's fascinating nonetheless to consider. Yeah, definitely. There's something that I think I've been very resistant to in social media, which is just like this idea that video is the communication channel of the future. And I almost feel like people in general feel maybe not quite like entitled to constantly seeing video, but all the content that you're being asked to produce like on like TikTok and Instagram stories or whatever reels it's all like video and I'm just so resistant to that because I really don't like being on video and so I feel like this is a therapy session before we start our our YouTube but I think there's a lot of it has accidentally become that but that's okay yeah please don't bill us for uh, therapy hours (laughs) we're so (laughs) yeah I feel like there's all these demands kind of being placed on us for constantly producing and also consuming video that I'm just extremely resistant to because my nature is kind of lame but rebellious. So it's like, no, (laughs) I don't want to do that. But like, I also won't ride a motorcycle, you know? 
<laughs> I love lame but rebellious. <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh. Basically, I'm a scared rebel. That would be my band name. I like that. I like the band name. I feel like that's a pretty epic epitaph, you know, as yeah. well. <laughs> lame yeah. but rebellious. <laughs> yeah. That is fantastic. It's, yeah, I think it's a touch of therapy for us, but necessary there. And quite honestly, Zoom and its emergence and all this kind of stuff, it's timely. Like we're still working our way through this. I mean, this is one of those things where there are topics sometimes where we're trying to do some research beforehand and you're finding articles from 10 years ago online that still hold some merit. You know, you're not going to find an article online that's talking about Zoom fatigue that's 10 years old, right? That's how fresh it is. So I'm not surprised with a topic like this that there's some stuff to work through. And, you know, a lot of this too is I think we've come to some conclusions uh, unto ourselves, but at the same time too, it's also worth recognizing that we're as a society still figuring out how this all works. And I'm sure we'll figure it out further as we kind of get hopefully towards the end of the pandemic. Were there any other directions you wanted to take it in as far as that? Or did you want to kind of head into, I was going to say tip a ruse, but I figured you'd just hang up. No, so tips? Yeah, no, video, non-video call terminated. <laughs> I just wanted to quickly talk about how Zoom can be really hard for sort of like body language and nonverbal cues as well. Hmm. And just what you were mentioning before about the lag, I think that's definitely something that I've noticed as well. It's like it's really hard to kind of read people via Zoom, especially if you're an anxious person to begin with who's always reading way too much into any social interaction. So like if people's eyes even like flicker, you're like, oh my God, they rolled their eyes back in their head so far at me. They think I'm the most stupid person who's ever said anything And I think we really miss all these opportunities to kind of ground ourselves in nonverbal cues that I think, what is it like you communicate six times more nonverbally than you do verbally in terms of just visual cues? I mean, they said some sort of 90% of communication is nonverbal or something crazy. Yeah, exactly. Like 90%. Yeah, that's what it was. So I think it's really hard because we're only getting maybe 15% of that 90% that we're so dependent on normally. Mm -hmm. And that can make us feel really anxious because maybe because of negativity bias, we're only picking up on the things that would sort of set off our anxiety as opposed to receiving the other percentage of those signals, you know, things that would alleviate our anxiety and be like oh okay well that was a friendly nonverbal cue okay so this one little thing that my brain processes like you know an unfriendly nonverbal cue is completely drowned out by all the friendly signals that i got yeah that's so fascinating sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you there continue on I'll, i'll comment afterwards oh yeah no i just think that we're processing things in a way that's like a lot more prone to confirming our worst suspicions and our our negative narratives of ourselves because those are the more noticeable ones that like our brain tells us is more important and a lot of the cues that our brain processes as being like would normally process as like affinity signals kind of are getting lost or just don't seem as important and are just really hard to communicate in person even just something as much as like how you angle your body while you're speaking to someone or hand gestures, things like that, that you don't really do 
when you're on a video call or have really nothing to do with a person while you're in a video call. Just are more like, this is how it's comfortable for me to sit because we're not actually in physical proximity to one another. Mm -hmm. Um, I think these are things that are completely lost in a video medium and that can really set off people's brains who are prone to social anxiety. Yeah, that's a really important point. I'm happy you brought that up. And I even experienced a little bit of that. Like I sometimes play poker with some friends on Friday night and we'll have the poker going and like a Zoom chat. But the Zoom chat, you know, we're just chatting and have video and stuff, but we're kind of focused on poker or whatever. But sometimes you'll make a comment or I'll make a comment and like I'll hear like a laugh or whatever. And these are people I've known for my entire life, but yet my mind goes to like, are they laughing at me or with me? And it's like, I lived with a lot of these guys in university. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever I might've said at this age on Zoom, I'm sure it was nothing compared to what we did every week in university, you know, as far as embarrassing stuff goes. And yet for some reason, that's where I go. These people who I know I can trust with everything. For some reason that you hear a laugh and you're like, oh my God, like, am I out of favor? You know, as a kind of like a, and you're thinking to yourself, like, this is a ridiculous train of thought. There's something about the medium, the technology that kind of messes with things that it's, uh, you, you think sometimes you're in a chat where it's like easy to forget that you're even on it. Like sometimes as an event with a couple of friends, Bree and I will play, you know, like the, you don't know Jack series or whatever, like those kind of like live games where you're kind of like a game show and there's mm-hmm. a one game show called quiplash where you're coming up with clever responses to different things and we play with one couple where it's like it's really funny we like vote on different things and, and you can in that way it's like we're really harnessing the medium and it's like oh this is uniquely fun and something that we can really enjoy and we couldn't necessarily do this in person and enjoy it as much or maybe we could but I guess the big thing with Zoom is almost like it's particularly for like a personal night or whatever like it kind of almost does the trick but it's not quite there. So I guess it's just not the same. And that's still better than nothing. And I don't think either of us are saying down with Zoom and so on and so forth. It's more just exploring, I guess, how much we do need that sometimes being in the same room with somebody, even people with social anxiety who would dread that, there's still a lot that we're getting by being around each other. Yeah. That we just can't get. Yeah, exactly. And I should note that for some people, Zoom may really help with social anxiety and it may be nice. Like I've seen in one of the articles I've read, it was talking about how many individuals with autism actually feel kind of comforted by Zoom because it means that you can communicate with someone in a medium where a lot of external stimuli that would normally kind of compete for your attention can actually be controlled, you know? So normally an autistic individual might be a little bit overwhelmed in a, say they were to meet a friend in a cafe. Mm -hmm. They might be really overwhelmed by like the noise of the espresso machine and Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. people next to them having a conversation. So for some individuals, it might actually be, kind of pleasant to have, you know, the social interactions being primarily mediated through Zoom because it eliminates a lot of the external additional stimuli that make it harder to concentrate. And so I do want to say that I think that's a completely valid positive experience with it. And I do find for one-on-one interactions, Zoom to be more or less a nice substitute for in-person communication. It's a meal replacement. It's a meal yeah, replacement. You, a meal end up, replacement. you end up feeling full 
you end up yeah. feeling cold still. Yeah, it's an ensure. But <laughs> then I would say that what Zoom to me really fails at is replicating kind of like the camaraderie of a group experience. And yeah. that's what it's kind of intended to the void it's intended to fill. But I think it's just there's so many things that it can't quite do, you know? And that's not the mm-hmm. fault of the medium. It's just the reality is that, you know, you cannot make 50 individuals in their own respective bedrooms feel like an audience at a conference. It's just never going to feel like that. Yeah, I think that about sums it up. I think we probably feel actually more similar about Zoom than we thought, but that's why we get this hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's also worth pointing out that like Zoom isn't the only medium and I'm seeing some due to Zoom fatigue, I'm seeing some interesting stuff. I was invited to this thing called Icebreaker the other night where it's like little games and that could quite frankly be an anxiety nightmare for some people, but I- Yeah, I hate icebreakers so much. So like, no. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I froze up when you explained what that was, but um, shh. Nice. nice. <laughs> we didn't have that many shitty jokes this episode. We so. did it. I think I was too shaken from my spider gate to actually have good puns up my sleeve. I thought you held up pretty well. So I did. Good for I mean, you. I'm still scanning for potential vengeance bites, but you know, I'm alive. You know, it's going to be a position where like you start to get, you know, sometimes if you get so anxious, you start to like create your own sort of like hives or whatever. Oh yeah. Like it's going yeah. to be a, yeah, it's going to be, a, I predict that in the future, but I think- I have that you know, on my hand and it's already gone away. Oh, good. <laughs> nice. Okay, so you've held up admirably. I'm going to say it was this episode and the calming nature of it that really got that bite away. So we're not going to start selling ourselves as like spider bite experts and relievers because if you had actually been bitten, I don't think we would have been able to save the day. But Probably not. considering it was all fake, we are excellent at that. We're excellent at solving fake spider bites. Nobody better. I think that's kind of all I got in the tank for, I think I'm starting to get Zoom fatigue from talking about Zoom. So I have to, like, even just talking about it, I'm like, oh. I know. But, this topic actually made me more tired than other topics, which I hope it was still an enjoyable episode for you guys. But even just talking about Zoom gives me, like, Zoom fatigue by proxy. But I think that's the nature of some topics, right? Like, if we had an, a really positive, uplifting, cheerful episode about death, like, there might be problems there, right? <laughs> yeah. It's the nature of the topic to some extent where you're going to replicate I think a touch of the monotony just because you're probably in some ways, somewhere deep down, you're emulating some of the, or drawing into the emotion that you feel when you think about that thing. Yeah, that's true. So that's my feeling. And if anyone thinks this was a boring episode, then that's just what I'm blaming it on. (laughs) And there's no going back. Anyways, I mean, that was just something to think about as far as like, not necessarily the icebreaker one, but there's like some different online conference software and all kinds of stuff. There are other ways that we can interact online, which I think is good as well. And you know, I'm just a big believer in the good old fashioned phone. You work for like big phone or something, you know, like, I don't know. You keep trying to make phones happen. It's not going to happen, Gretchen. That was a Mean Girls reference. I'm big into the phone in the same way that I kind of feel like for the last 50 years, everybody is like, well, books are going the way of like, whatever. And then here I am still reading every night. And I love something about the tangible physical feel of the book. I kind of feel the same about the phone in some respect too. There's something, 
I, I'm not like obsessed with like, I don't have like a, like, I don't have like a, a roll. What are those phones called that you literally like they go rotary? Phones? Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't have one of those. I'm not like sitting by my candlelight and using a rotary phone, but I do think there's something special about just a phone call with none of the razzmatazz. So yeah, I stand by that fervently. You stand by a razzmatazz? No. Well, I don't know, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do we have any tips that we want to impart for the listeners or have we already kind of exhausted that? Yeah, I think we kind of exhausted it. I think we walked down the avenues I wanted to relate to this topic. And uh, yeah, I don't have any like tips I'm aching to share to you. No, I just think... I didn't really realize until recording that I was finding it really helpful to have that distinction between my handheld video calls with friends versus laptop-based video calls with clients and business meetings and whatnot. And I just realized that was like a helpful distinction to make. So I think if you're having trouble feeling engaged while doing video calls with friends or even doing video calls like you're just struggling with feeling listless and lack of engagement in the call maybe even just switching over to your phone and doing the meeting handheld Mm -hmm. can actually kind of force you to pay attention in a way that it's really easy to drift off on your laptop just the actual ergonomics of it just kind of force you to not multitask in the same way So I guess if you are someone who struggles with paying attention, like I do, maybe just switching it up from phone to laptop might actually do more than you think. Yeah, absolutely. That's probably the best takeaway we can offer from this episode is you're probably stuck in the somewhat monotonous and consistent schedule. Try and do some of the same things in different ways. Yeah. Even myself, when I wake up in the morning, I make a pot of tea, I drink tea and I check my phone and go through emails and stuff on my phone. And then in the afternoon, I go through emails on my computer. And that way, I don't feel like I'm just spending so much time in email and blah, 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 blah. Like it's two different ways I'm accessing the same information, but it's a little bit different. So I think that's probably the underlying sentence really, where it's just like, we might be stuck doing some of the same things, try and do it in different ways, different times. Anything that's different is giving cause for our brain to try to form memories. If we're just on autopilot, you know, time can just kind of slip through your hands or it feels like forever, but we're currently in the driver's seat of that experience. Uh, And that's why we record this podcast every week to talk about something different, some different aspect. But I think this week in particular, we couldn't really speak about this apart from everything going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this would not even be a topic, hopefully, a year from now. I mean, if it's still a topic one year from now, we have bigger problems than Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Not to stress anyone else. Yeah. (laughs) No big deal. Now that I've raised our collective listeners' anxieties from, you know, a whatever to a nine, (laughs) let's uh, pat ourselves on the back for stressing everyone out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So do you want to pat yourself on the back for something first or do you want me to tackle this one? Yeah, I can go for it. I have been struggling a lot 
with just work and being self-directed in general and kind of the pressure that I've placed on myself to be like a productive human being and what that means and how much I should work and whatnot. And just the last week, I've just realized, you know what, I'm going through kind of just like a down cycle in energy. And that's just part of like the human experience is having periods where motivation ebbs and flows. And I've just sort of like leaned into that and been like, okay, let's see what I can actually do in these like two to four hours that I'm scheduling for myself to work. And I've actually kind of been like, I can actually accomplish quite a bit if I really focus for that period of time and actually am dedicated to working during that time. It's more what happens when I like ping pong my mental energy around trying to drag out a day into what feels like an eight hour day can sometimes be, you know, a lot more exhausting than it's worth. And like the returns that I get are diminishing, you know, after a certain amount of time logged at the computer. So I'm just learning to schedule myself a little bit more compassionately to what my actual brain capacity is at the moment, which right now is not a ton. But in the past, you know, I've been totally capable of working seven to eight or nine hour days when I had like a big energy cycle. But the problem is I just don't have that right now. And that's okay. So I'm just trying to see what I can get done in the time that I give myself, but also celebrate what I can get done. So like at the end of my three or four hours of work today, what I did was like I listed everything that I had actually done and I'm planning to do this for the rest of the week to be like, oh yeah, that's actually like a completely reasonable amount of work to be completed out of the day. And just because I finished it quickly doesn't mean that like I didn't do it well or that it didn't count because it wasn't eight hours. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. There's a ton of evidence to suggest that just tracking our accomplishments or tracking things we're grateful for or or any of that stuff makes a huge difference because all of a sudden we're scanning for things that are positive as opposed to what we usually do, which is that horrible negative radar that's kind of always on. So you're breaking the negative radar for a second and finding those positive things. So I think that's great. I also like the emphasis on being very uh, deliberate about time. And I can resonate with that for sure. Yeah. Thinking about what I'm patting myself on the back for, I just realized I was something I just was lacking was I just really had nothing on the horizon to look forward to. (laughs) And I've talked before about how important that is to me. So I just, I've made efforts this week to give myself things to look forward to artificially, like Brie and I are going to go up north and a couple of weekends, just be secluded in the winter, but just be somewhere different. And I'm looking forward to that for a couple of days. And beyond that as well, you know, just other things to look forward to. Like I, I think I offhandedly mentioned this, but I bought a old Italian racing bike. <laughs> I don't, maybe I didn't mention it, but I bought an old Italian racing bike that I'm going to basically use when it gets warm out to bike all over the province. And I just decided like that investment was worth it because now I find I'm checking the weather every day and I'm like, what, like how soon am I going to be able to ride this bike? And I guess just, you know, as it relates to the episode, like these little things make a big difference right now. So I'm patting myself on the back for understanding how much I need to have things to look forward to and feeding that fire. Nice. Nice. Very well. 
Very good. I don't know why I said very, very well. <laughs> very well, Christopher. Well, yeah. We always shift into like a different person. Like I think last week I shifted into like Charles Dickens there for a second yeah. or something like that. And that was like a governess at a orphanage or something. Very well, children. <laughs> that was <laughs> it. I don't know. We just get possessed by the ghosts of wrapping things up. So uh, apparently. about the ghosts of the Victorian era? (laughs) Yeah. Generally, yeah. I think Chris and I have been forced to read far too many Victorian novels and are illustrious and not illustrious. My career as an English student was pretty much eating Cheetos and drinking Red Bull, trying to write papers at the last minute. It was not a glamorous existence. No, um, not illustrious. No, not illustrious at all. But I did learn how to use the word illustrious, even if my life did not reflect any illustry, luster, whatever. Yeah. I learned the word illustrious, but I didn't learn whatever word would be the noun of that. Learn the roots. Well, that's why we should have taken more Latin. Well, that's it for another day. I hope everyone kind of could uh, hop on the same side here and just kind of listen to our uh, griping about zoom but also i hopefully some just thoughtful um breaking it apart a little bit so we can look at it a little bit more objectively hopefully it was helpful if it wasn't at least you didn't have to look at our faces and wonder when to jump in with a comment that perfectly encapsulated you paying attention (laughs) yeah that's it and we'll be back next week on your feeds with something different and uh, we look forward to it. Thanks as well for everyone who's you know, been a dedicated listener. Downloads suggest that every time we release an episode, a whole bunch of people are hopping on it on that day and the day after. And we got a steady stream of listeners now. So we're really appreciative of that. Uh, I guess that this is a good point to mention just if you really are enjoying the show, it's a huge help to Allison and I if you make sure that you're subscribed and that you share it with anybody who might like it. Um, if you're feeling really overexcited, you know, obviously we'll take a five-star review here or any kind words here or there, but uh, no pressure on that. Just we're trying to grow and that helps. So if you have that moment, that would be wonderful. And if not, we won't judge it because we won't even know. We truly <laughs> will not know. So no pressure. All right. Thanks so much, everyone. Uh, we appreciate you and we hope you have a wonderful week with very few Zoom meetings. Take care. <laughs> <laughs> take care, everyone. Bye.